the thing about what if the Joker could beatbox is that he's he's not bad at it. He's he's I think he's like actually kind of good at what he's doing. It's just yeah. that what he's doing is incredibly stupid and funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, th- I think that's kind of the point, is that, like, what if the Joker could beatbox? Yeah. It, it would sound like that. It's just, like, like, and... like he's got the, he's got the, sk- he's got the, fem- he's got the fundamentals of being, like, a extraordinarily proficient beatboxer. But yeah. also the brain of someone who would think of a video called What If The Joker Could Beatbox. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, that's a hell of a combination. That's a that's a like a super team of its all, all of its own. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, <laughs> maybe he just needs to be fed some Joker mush and he'll be okay. Yeah. Um, Joker mush is possibly another Tumblr meme that you're not familiar with. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, let me see if I can find this to share with you. Okay, I found it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joker Bush is a very good meme. That's that's extremely good. Uh, now that we've talked about Joker Bush a bunch, do we want to get started talking about this movie? Yeah, I mean, this, it's, I mean, Joker, if he was watching this movie, would not get extra Joker mush. God, no. Joker, Joker, (laughs) if he was watching this movie, would absolutely be using as many slurs as humanly possible, which, if I'm reading the text of this film correctly, I think the main characters probably did too. Oh, for sure. There's no way they didn't. Like, m- maybe they... The, there's a chance they didn't say fag, but they almost uh... assuredly said fairy and fruit and other F-based pejoratives for queer people. Yeah, no, I read the reviews. <laughs> it's chock-a-block full. Okay, well, you know... It, do we want to... The listeners have seen the title of this movie based on um, what what the episode title is. This movie came out in 1969. There kind of really was no hope for it. Yeah, no. We should start the, do the, the, the beginning of the podcast. podcast. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. Am I getting extra Joker mush if I don't say fag again? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get extra Joker. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. Oh no. I, I, no, we can't do it that way. We can no. and we are. Oh, fuck, I'm Kira. I'm Kat. We watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler alert. Rampant homophobia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that also serves as a content warning for this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> uh There's a joke in there that I won't be making. <laughs> <laughs> One of the main themes of this movie that I noticed is that the two main characters are terrible kissers. That's definitely a theme, yeah. Um, did you name any of the characters? In fact, I did. So the blonde okay. guy's name is Alan. Uh-huh. The um the other the guy he tries to dodge the draft with, the brunette, is named Bill. 
and okay, okay. their neighbors are Fred and Stefan. That is, that's pretty good. I the only one I named was the uh, the shorter guy, um, and I I named him Mark Homo because he kind of looked like Mark Hamill. <laughs> he did have a he did have a Mark <laughs> Hamill vibe to him. God, this movie came out in 1969. What mm-hmm. else was happening at the time other than Vietnam? Um, the the one summer that that song is about. The summer of 69. That, are you sure it's yeah. about the year and not about a summer where he just did a lot of reciprocal oral sex? You know, I've never thought about that. <laughs> and now that you point it out, um, yeah, it could go either way. Um, Nixon got sworn in in January. Okay, hate that. Um... Was this his first? Yeah, so this would have been his first term, which means it's also one of the first years in which Elvis was a DEA agent. (laughs) (laughs) I very legitimately, Richard Nixon made Elvis a DEA agent. The Drugs and Elvis Administration. (laughs) Um, Oh, also happening in 1969, the Montreal Expos become Major League Baseball's first non-American team. Hell yeah, that's that's you know progress, social progress. Yeah, um, the Montreal Expos would then in 2004 get moved to Washington D.C., where mm. they would become the Washington Nationals. Uh, you know, some real high quality. I'm sad that there's no that, that that the expos are gone. If I'm being honest, I mean, they weren't great markers. Yeah, it's just now I have to be a Blue Jays fan-ish. I, I'm adjacent to Blue Jays fandom. It's just okay. they're, they're the oh they're they're the Canadian team. Yeah, that makes sense. And they also the expos had Yuppie as their mascot. What? Okay, so Yuppie is the mascot, was the mascot for the Expos, and then became the mascot for the Canadiens. And he's just sort of a weird orange mountain man. <laughs> like, I think he's supposed to be a human. <laughs> Always a good sign when you can't totally tell. But he might also be a Bigfoot. He's a okay. ginger Bigfoot, I think. Um, That's like... I'm having trouble imagining that. And he was... Okay, so here's even better. He was designed by Bonnie Erickson, a former designer for Jim Henson, who made Miss Piggy, Statler and Waldorf, and a bunch of other Muppet characters. That is a hell of a resume. Right? I want to, like, dive into... Bonnie Erickson is still alive. Do you think this is like an ancestor of um god what the fuck is that shit fuck oh the it, the the hockey man the the gritty yes um i think yuppie is a little bit too francophone to be friends with gritty <clears throat> but like they could be related they could be i think like gritty is yuppie's american cousin and Yuppie refers to him almost assuredly as a stupid yank. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine Yuppie chain smokes and runs a sugar shack during the winter. And then Gritty's like, yank this and... Throws a know. Molotov at him. Oh, I was, I was gonna say gets his dick out. Oh. <laughs> um, I think that's interesting. I've never thought about Gritty's genitals. <laughs> because... I'm reasonably certain that Gritty is a gender, and I just don't get caught up in thinking about other people's genitals as much as I do about their gender. Gritty is, like, canonically non-binary. Okay. And there are certain segments during Flyers games, and I have seen this because we used to watch Flyers games because Aaron likes the Flyers for some reason. That some reason is because uh, they asked Twitter, and everyone on Twitter that we know and are friends with happens to be from the Philadelphia area. Okay. And the poll was like, e- you should be a Flyers fan. And I was like, all right, I guess you gotta be a Flyers fan now. I mean, legally, that is binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we should dive into the movie, yes, but... We should. Also, um, what, what, 
why is it called X now? Mm, um, because that shithead tries to change the name of every company he gets involved with to X, and usually they don't let him. <laughs> it's just nobody's stopped him this time. Yeah. Like, yeah, he that's... literally tried that with PayPal. I know. He and, literally did like, it with SpaceX. And, like... <laughs> but... <laughs> Have you seen the, the the sign that he's installed on the top of the building? No. Because it's just, like... It's built with, like, a fucking constructor set. No, God. And the light bulbs on this thing shine directly on the apartment building across the street until around 2 a.m. Jesus. It's rough. Yeah. Fuck that, dude. So, um, back to this delightfully irreverent film that we've watched. It's... Yeah, okay. So, I guess we should begin at the beginning. The only way to begin is by beginning. I've learned that from Sam Reich. And the only way to end is by... Climaxing. (laughs) That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. Remember, fans, you don't need the climax for it to still be good sex. Yeah, and you can keep going afterward if you really want. Yeah. (laughs) So we're in a in the uh, the RV recruitment office. Yes, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give some spoilers for the end of the movie here because I'm sure nobody cares and is ever going to watch this. I fucking called it as a joke, but I was right. <laughs> so, look, right at the beginning. They they kept like conspicuously zooming in on the dude's name uh thing name tar- card on his desk, and he was Lieutenant Colonel Dixon, and every fucking time they did that, I could not help but think, <laughs> dicks on my face, and then it <laughs> it did turn out that he was gay. Yep. Yep, that was the the big twist of the movie was that they were being stalked by this military recruiter who was attempting to prove that they were straight so that he could keep them out of the military. Yeah, and they thought he was stalking them, attempting to prove that they were straight so that he could get them into the military. And that is the central conflict of the film. Yes, it's basically... These two guys have to pretend to be gay. Now, I I read a review that does state that at least one of them was going to college at the time as an undergrad. Interesting. And that guy didn't need to pretend to be gay to get out of the draft. (laughs) You could get out of the draft by going to college. Was it Mark Homo? Because he was taking this a lot more seriously than the other guy, and I think he so Mark Homo has the brown hair, right? Yes, yes, yes. I believe it was Mark Homo who was going to college and therefore did not need that sort of draft exemption. I think Mark Homo, whether or not he wants to admit it to himself, is uh, probably by and totally into the dude that he is quote-unquote pretending to be gay with. Oh, yes. So, see, the way that I read this film is that in pretending to be gay, both of them kind of had to come to terms with the fact that they were both a little bit gay. Oh, yeah. They definitely... I feel like by the end of it, um, they, they, they gay chickened themselves into a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Or at least, like, an understanding of the fact that sexuality is complex and nuanced and that they don't need to define themselves in rigid terms, but rather can just enjoy the fact that they're attracted to who they're attracted to. Yeah. That's what I would do if I made this movie. Well... But we didn't make this movie. Someone in 1969 did. But, you know, it is cool to remake old movies. We could do a The Gay Deceivers reboot. Yeah. Um, we could set it in, like, 2019. Yeah. And it's two cis guys who have to pretend to be trans to get out of joining the military because there was still a trans military ban in effect. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> okay. The script writes itself. It really does. 
And then there's just like, you know, you have a whole bunch of, I guess you'd have to like, so the question is, would it be like that their neighbors are a bunch of like, um, like we obviously want it still to be in California. Yeah. Um, gotta be. So like, are their neighbors a bunch of neat trans girls or are they like, I think if we're, if we're going with the theme of like, they're surrounded by like turbo stereotypes, they have to move into like an apartment that's like cooperative housing. Yeah. And like 80% of the girls there are like weird, like have Linux installed on, like, six different computers they have taped to their wall or some shit. Yeah, like, one of them is working on inventing a robot girlfriend. Yeah. They are, like, there's at least one who just makes Hackintoshes and sells those to people for a living. Yeah. I I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. You know, I'd probably also make sure that the film wasn't just a bunch of white people yeah um that would be a good good change and i think we can probably make that happen um there's absolutely ways of doing that uh that don't take away from the rampant homophobia of this movie it's certainly a solvable problem (laughs) we gotta keep the homophobia though like that's right the the whole plot is extraordinarily homophobic Mm mm-hmm and that's sort of part of the appeal of the movie, I think. <clears throat> Can you guess which of the actors is actually gay in real life? Yes. Um, they're specifically the blonde neighbor who comes over in shorts and an apron and cooks them eggs for breakfast. Fucking nailed it. There's no way that guy is straight. <laughs> And in fact, the fact that he was probably the only out actor on this film in 1969 means I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Yeah. He was actually very genuinely my favorite character. Same. No, he whipped ass. So, like, basically, the way that the movie goes is extraordinarily predictably. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they have to pretend to be gay, so they move into a... I, I think it's an apartment that, or like a townhouse or something like that, where all of the people in the development, it, it's like a, it's like a little gay community that they move into. Yeah. And the, the, the house is like pre-decorated for them mm-hmm. in With a like a bunch of homoerotic art. Oh yeah. A lot of, lot of statues and a, a pink bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's great. And they keep having like family members or whatever coming over and wanting a tour of the house. Yeah. And they keep having, they keep bringing girls over too, which is like, if you're pretending you got to be a little bit more careful than that, right? Especially if they know the military dude is, like, following them and shit. Like, mm-hmm. come on, guys. Uh, you know, you had me at come on, guys, but we can... <laughs> I've done that joke before on this podcast. Yeah, you have. It's, it's still It's funny, never not though. funny. It's so good. <laughs> and thematic for this film. Exactly. It, so yeah, like it, at one point, their neighbor, who I I, I named Fred, uh, Fred is the blonde guy who comes over in the shorts and the apron and cooks them eggs. Uh-huh. Stefan is Fred's partner, and Stefan definitely speaks Spanish in some way, shape, or form. I could see that. I <laughs> he. He gave me like um like this dude could play Dracula vibes. Okay. Yeah, I like I got like the vibes that Stefan is actually his like assumed name and that his real name is like Esteban. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh both of these are equally true. He could play Dracula, which is ironic yeah. because um our blonde protagonist Former lifeguard, Atlan, does at one point dress up as Dracula. See, that's the thing. That That's the thing is, like, I think that was maybe, like, intentional on his part. To try to attract a Drac? Yeah. Attractula. <laughs> he, 
He wants to slam in the back of his Dracula. <laughs> So these two guys are living together, pretending to be, I want to get back on topic, pretending to be a couple. Their gay neighbor comes over and fixes them breakfast because they were just making fucking straight white boy sandwiches. Yeah, no, they're full, full disaster mode in their kitchen. Um, The the straight white boy sandwich is uh, mustard, meat, cheese, mayo. Yeah. And you put that on like Wonder Bread because it's cheap. Ugh, at least fucking toast it, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you can get away with that kind of sandwich construction, specifically if you're doing it, like, panini style, right? Or if you put chips in it also. Which I think honestly does make it a little bit more of a white boy sandwich. If you put chips on your sandwich. It depends on the chips. That's true. Um, I think if it's plain potato chips. Oh, full white boy. Cape Cod kettle chips. What's the white boy scale on Cape Cod kettle chips? I would say, like, on a scale of, uh, like, 1 to 10, with 10 being full white boy, mm-hmm. I would say that's probably, like, a between a 7 and an 8. That's fair. I think because Cape Cod chips are the kind of chips you get with Panera... It does. Oh, true. Yeah, it, it, it does, does take a, a couple of points. It like it can, it maintains its whiteness points, for sure. But it decreases on the boy scale. Hmm. Conundrum. What about jalapeno chips? Because that's what I usually put on sandwiches if I'm putting chips on a sandwich. Um. So when you get into creating abstract flavor combinations with flavored chips mm-hmm. you've shifted from white boy territory to stoner territory shit i'm not either of those um hmm it's just I that mean, I, I, jalapeno I chips eat... are a little bit too much flavor for your average white boy it's possible that just sort of by virtue of my birthday i have like absorbed stoner energy Hmm. Because I did do eat that horrible sandwich from the fucking Vanilla Ice movie. Oh and that yeah, was you extreme, did. <laughs> that was extreme stoner food. Yeah, you know I, I'm gonna. I, you've been granted the title of honorary stoner. Hell yeah, love it. I'm gonna um, put that on my resume. We grant you a seat on the council, but we do not grant you the title of master. <laughs> What okay, what are the ranks in the Stoner Council? Uh first of all, top level, no, sorry, the base level. Like when you get elected to the council, the equivalent of the Jedi Knight for Stoners is the High Wizard. <laughs> yep. And you achieve okay. you achieve High Wizard status when you have transferred your consciousness to the wizard dimension at least once (laughs) due to consumption of marijuana okay (laughs) okay are you familiar with the wizard are you familiar with wizard space otherwise known as getting wizard high i'm familiar with the term wizard high okay so (laughs) i've never been to wizard space it's it's weird like I I can recall two distinct times where I got to the wizard space. Uh, one of those times in traveling the, like, 30 feet to the bathroom, I felt like I experienced 6,000 years of existence. <laughs> Another time when I entered wizard space, I decided I wanted nothing more than to be a platonic solid, so I became a... <laughs> Like a D4. Uh, that's incredible. My, really, my main, uh, it, like, the, the only time I really got high once before was I, tr- I, um, had, like, a quarter of an edible mm-hmm. and tried to play Overwatch and Mistake. was... V- 
very bad at it because I could not see the whole screen at the same time. <laughs> I was like, I could see where my crosshair was and the rest of it was just not there. Now, was it like you had like the, was it like um, you could see the crosshair and then everything else was like bokeh or was it blacked out entirely? It was just like extreme tunnel vision. Okay, so it was like you had installed a fisheye lens and were only focused, and then you had like adjusted the aperture to only focus exactly on the crosshairs. It wasn't like black. I was just simply not aware of anything else. <laughs> that happens. Um, <laughs> I'd say that was actually relatively close because there's a certain point, there's like, um, we'll call it the heaviside layer between okay. regular high and wizard high where okay. you start to lose your ability to focus on stuff like just completely gone level of lose your ability to focus on stuff where even listening to music can get like too overwhelming that might just be because i'm like very autistic though where, like any sensation becomes overwhelming and i just need to like sort of hide under a blanket for a little while that it's makes sense a, it's uh, which is why you kind of need to avoid the heaviside layer you either need to go past it or you need to stay below it i have one other experience and i want to see if this qualifies as wizard high okay um i i um i was like hallucinating music mm -hmm. and uh, like all of the muscles in my body were just sort of twitching in time with the music that wasn't there. Okay, and... so, um, yes, that is wizard high. Um, that's not, like, uh, that's, uh, that's, like, where you're getting, you've earned your council seat. Okay, hell yeah. Um, you haven't reached the level of master yet. The level of master only occurs when you can use your experiences in the wizard state to transform some part of your everyday life. For example, that time that I lived 6,000 years going to the bathroom, uh, uh -huh. just walking to the bathroom, not actually using the bathroom, just walking there. Mm -hmm. um, that helped me get over my like weird fear and uncomfortableness that I had with getting old because I've already done it before. So now I don't mind looking like I'm in my 30s, you know? Fascinating. Yeah, so that's that's where you hit, like, the equivalent of Jedi Master. Okay. You've you've achieved the rank of Jedi Knight by hearing the Song of the Universe. Okay, alright. Hated the experience. Um, won't ever do that again. Uh, that's but fair. But I'm glad I can be honorary, at least. Do you rem- I don't remember the context for it, but there was a time where you drank a bunch of White Claws too, right? I had one- that, that's a bunch. One is too I, many. <laughs> yeah. It, it was disgusting. And I had a headache for the rest of the day. That's that's White Claw. <laughs> um, okay, so in DMs earlier, you said, and I quote, um, I've gotten too good at this podcast format. Can you explain yes. what you meant by that? And then we'll get I... back to talking about the movie. <laughs> it, was, it was when I uh, guessed the twist as a joke. Ah, okay, yeah, no, that, I, I feel like that's, that's fair. <laughs> that is, that is knowing how to unsound theory a movie. Yeah, <laughs> just fucking nailed it right off the bat. Uh, okay, so we were talking about this movie. So Fred, their neighbor, uh -huh. comes mm -hmm. over in his little Adonis apron and starts making them breakfast, and then Alan's parents show up. Yes. And they're like... This is pretty sus. Why does he have two men over? Because <laughs> um, yeah, like, they, they definitely haven't told their family or anything that they're just pretending to try to get out of the draft. Correct. So everyone in their like personal lives thinks they're gay. And they're trying to do this weird thing where they're trying to convince their families that they're not gay, which um, really just sort of drives the point home that they totally are. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
their families uh, keep wanting like tours of their house where they have to like show off their bright pink bedroom with single bed. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. And like, that's the thing. Like, what gets me about all of this is you get the sense that Fred, their their neighbor, immediately clues in that these boys are not out to their parents. Oh yeah, for sure. And you see his entire demeanor change from like flouncy and dancy to how do you do there, sir? Yep. <clears throat> like it, no, it's he's... it's an instant change where he goes from like loving life in a really delightful way and this character truly made the movie for me. Agreed. I would yeah. not have watched this without him. Agreed. He knows he knows what's up. He's done this before. He's a exactly. seasoned veteran. And he's really chill about it, which is like he 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 dives in like, "Okay, I know where the I know what's happening here. I know what this means. Let me play the part and I will help these two out because they're clearly struggling with being new at this." Yeah. Yep. And I think that's a nice character to have in your movie about people pretending to be gay is someone who's there to be like, actually, being gay is kind of normal. So jot that down. And I enjoyed that part. No, it was was really good. And like, realistic. That's the thing, though. Like, there's little bits of this movie that could save it. Uh Uh-huh. If it wasn't, you know, bad. Yeah. And, and like, I I have to imagine that it would be worse with sound. Oh, for sure. Because there's no chance in hell they didn't say the F slur a lot. Okay, so there's a point in this movie where um, Alan gets fired from his job as a lifeguard because someone at the club finds out that he's gay. Mm-hmm. But he's not gay. Yeah. Ish. Uh, so it, it, he's yeah. kind of in this weird position where he can't come out as straight. He can't pull a Misha Collins and come out as straight <laughs> because it will get him sent to Vietnam. Yes. They're facing all of the 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 backlash yeah. and, and societal problems of being gay. Without any of the benefits. Have you have you seen that one? I, I think it was like a vine or something. Where it's like, this is a dude like, oh, I'm going undercover yes. to see what women experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I do it's, know exactly it, what you're talking about. That That's this movie. It basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the two main characters have a lot of relationship trouble with the women they're in relationships with. Go figure. Yeah. Amazing. Because um, yeah. everyone takes them at their word. Because why would you say you're gay when you're not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think part of the humanization of the gay people in their lives in this movie stems from the fact that they both have to experience all of these, like, actual homophobic moments as straight men. And it's like, oh... This is what gay people have to deal with every day of their lives. Yep. And they still choose to come out and live a happy life because the alternative is worse. Maybe everything we've learned worse. about gay people is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Alan goes to a gay bar. <laughs> yeah. That didn't go well for him. I mean, he. there's a chance that he's just a closet case and that he's... <clears throat> still dealing with his internalized homophobia in that bar. Like, yeah, not in the good version of this movie that exists in our heads, but in the actual text, it might be implied that, like, because he has that, later in the movie, he has a woman come over, or maybe before this, he has a woman come over, and he just can't get it up, hmm. so she leaves. I, and I thought she left because uh, the other dude showed up. It's possible it's both, because he does, like, it it looks like he's like, nothing happened. Like, explaining to the other guy, like, oh, nothing happened. She was, we didn't have sex in our bed. Like, there's a whole, there's there's a lot of, like, maybe, maybe he is. Yeah, I think, um, I, in, in my read, he was definitely, uh, like, straight boy, and the other guy was 
definitely way more questionable. Okay. Now, there is that scene when um, the neighbors, there's a neighborhood party that's hosted by Fred and Stefan. Yeah. It's a costume party. Mm-hmm. And then Alan does go and hit on someone who was dressed as a woman. Now, whether I think that he's under the impression that that was actually a woman. See, probably. And then he has like they they get into bed. Yeah, and, he's got his little trans panic he, moment. And I did yeah. have a oh my god, is something bad going to happen to this poor girl moment? Because I'm like, I will give it like a forty five percent chance that he, maybe he's just a chaser, and that's what he's figuring out. That's possible, I suppose. And he's got a uh, you know and like. It's 1969. The terms that were used for a lot of trans people at the time are not the ones that are used today. And in fact, many of them consider themselves to be part of the gay community. True. Okay. This this is an interesting avenue. So that that was kind of where I was with that. I thought the costumes at the costume party were delightful, by the way. Oh, they were so good. There are some real choice costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, there's, there's just, like, a lot of everyone assumes that they're telling the truth when they say that they're gay. Yeah. As, like, the movie, and, you know, like, big ups to the people in their life for believing them when they say they're gay, but, like, also, I guarantee there was at least some talk of, like, a psychiatrist who could fix the gay if you had just oh. told us sooner or something like that. Yeah, for sure. There's that definitely had to have come up, like when the parents visited or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the cl- towards the end, uh, Mark Homo has like uh, looked like a pretty emotional conversation with a guy. I think that was maybe his dad. I, th- I believe that was his dad, and I believe his dad might have also been. If I recall, one of the people who worked or owned the pool that fired uh, Alan as a lifeguard. Mm. Okay. I this was this was another situation of uh um I I I could recognize on site maybe two or three of the people in the movie and the rest I could not tell apart. That's fair. Um yeah, it like Ultimately, there is a better version of this movie in this movie. For sure. I think so. We could, the the script needs a bit of punch up. Um, I mean, if these are, uh, I want to know if this is made by film students, because I don't want to make fun of them if it was. Almost assuredly not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, uh, we... well, let's see. It's... I I know, I know it wasn't. I was just making a joke about one of the reviews we had last episode. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I follow. I can't. Hmm. Can't find anything about who distributed the movie. Interesting. Um, according to a review I saw, it's the it's directed by the same guy that did I Dream of Genie. Um. Also distributed by Fanfare Films. I found it. Okay. Don't know who they are, but that's who they that's that's who distributed it. So I don't think it was a student film. No. Um no. so yeah, like the I think the the way the movie ends basically is both of them have to deal with the consequences of pretending to be gay, which yeah. means they have to deal with the consequences of being gay again without any of the benefits of being gay. Yeah, of which there are many. Tremendously so. I mean, I doubt many straight men in 1969 were getting their meow button punched. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And that's one of the many benefits. They're not getting joker mushed. They're they're definitely not getting joker mush. (laughs) Um, So... uh... How long have we been going... A while. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've gone long enough. Uh, do, yeah, do we like basically, we, we get to the end of the movie, and Mark Homo gets uh, pulled into the army recruitment office and basically told that, like, we know you're straight, and that's why we don't want you. Basically. Because we want But, like, 
It's it's more like the military has already determined you're unfit for service. Straight out, get the fuck out. Yeah, <clears throat> and then it and then it like cuts to uh, Colonel Dicks on my face, uh, embracing another military dude, and it's like, oh my god, he was gay the whole time. Which like um, you know he was also hanging out at the gay bar and yeah. at the gay party. It yeah. wasn't exactly <clears throat> the most. There's um, a, I mean subtle. He, you had to have seen it coming because there's like a scene where he like sneaks into that one of the dudes, uh, one of the neighbors. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "Hello, listeners! It's Cat with this week's mid-roll announcements." As of last week, we're officially rebranded to Danger Square Productions. There's still some ironing out of details that need to happen, like updating the Patreon URL and other minor things like that. But we're very excited to debut our new name. Coinciding with the rebrand, we've elected to collectively leave the site formerly known as Twitter for Bluer Pastures. Currently, if you're on Blue Sky, you can find me at my usual handle, and as soon as I have an invite, I'll be getting Kira on there. If you missed the shitposting, you will absolutely find it on Blue Sky. We've also elected to create a new Tumblr blog, at Danger Square Media, where we'll be doing episode write-ups, I'll be doing new game announcements, and we'll just generally share our art projects. If you don't use either platform but still want to keep up to date, or just prefer a newsletter, email us at admin at dangersquare.ca with the subject line, Danger Square Newsletter. That will help us gauge whether or not we want to start making an email distribution list so that you can get all of those announcements in your inbox if one of the two websites that we use isn't your thing. If you'd like to interact with Kira and me on social media, the best place you can do that is on our mutual tumblers at ZaftyCat for me and at Sapphire-Mess for Kira. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your kismesis. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via Skeet or Tumblr message and you'll get a shout out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make the show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us. So please consider that support. No integer dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me and Kira get back to... Uh, um, Joker mush, I think? This this movie was extraordinarily hard to sit through. I'm sorry, everyone. Cue the VCR sound. Okay, so let's let's figure out how much of this we got correct. All of it. Yes, uh, pretty much. Um, the Gay Deceivers is a 1969 American comedy film written by Jerome Wish and directed by Bruce Kessler. The film focuses on Danny Devlin, played by Kevin Coughlin, and Elliot Crane, played by Lawrence P. Casey, two straight men who attempt to evade the draft by pretending to be gay. The Gay Deceivers follows Danny and Elliot, two friends who try to get out of the draft by pretending to be gay. They're placed under surveillance by the army and have to keep up the pretense. They move into a gay apartment building and try to blend in with the residents, all while trying to maintain their romantic relationships with women and not get caught by the army. At the apartment building, they meet their landlord, Malcolm, and his husband, Craig. God. I believe, I believe that's uh, Frank and Stefan. Yeah. Uh, throughout the story, Malcolm and Craig attempt to give advice to Danny and Elliot as they remember when they were a young couple. At first, Danny and Elliot dismiss Malcolm and Craig as, quote, two fruits and no. try to play along to keep up the ruse. It's definitely not getting Joker mush. They no. begin to see Malcolm and Craig as good people and begin to question what they were taught about homosexuals. Although not explored fully and only hinted at, Elliot might be closeted in questioning his sexuality as he becomes more comfortable in assuming a gay lifestyle, which leads to some tension between him and Danny. He's unable to maintain any relationships with women, and they end up disastrous. After having a fight with Danny, Elliot knowingly enters a gay bar since he now feels more comfortable there and allows a man to buy him drinks and flirt with him. After the man attempts to get sexual, Elliot punches the man, we left this part out, 
and leaves yeah. in a confused rage, not sure what he's feeling. Later, at a gay party hosted by Malcolm and Craig, he attempts to sleep with a drag queen before discover- before being discovered by the army investigator who was following him. The twist is that, even after the pair are caught, they're not inducted into the military. The army investigators assigned to watch them are themselves gay and are trying to keep straight people out of the army. <laughs> Now, a couple of fun facts that I've learned while reading about this film. According to gay film historian Vito Russo, in his book, The Celluloid Closet, co-star Michael Greer, who played the flamboyantly gay Malcolm and was himself gay, tried to work with the screenwriter and director to minimize the negative characterization of gay men in the film. So this was possibly the slightly better version of this movie toned down less homophobic god all right um would we like to learn about any of the actors from this movie yeah okay so let's start with uh michael greer um one he is one of the first openly gay actors to appear in major hollywood films um he served for three years in korea as part of the air force okay fascinating yeah um and then he started competing in talent night competitions in new york city in the 60s which had him go up against acts including tiny tim and barbara streisand oh my god right um he did legally change his name to Michael Greer at one point. I'm not going to dead name him because I don't think he deserves that. No. Um, and he cho- chose Michael because he liked the name and Greer because he liked the actress Jane Greer. There you go. Simple as. Exactly. Um, there's some quotes on his Wikipedia page. How can I be in and out at the same time? It's too exhausting. Because he was in in the sense that he was a hip comedian to book at your club but mm-hmm. out in the sense that he's gay. There you go. I mean, that's a good line. Seems like he was just a really funny he was dude. A cool dude, yeah. Love it. Um, and then you have Lawrence P. Casey, who played Elliot, a.k.a. Alan. And uh, which, which one was Alan? He was the blonde buff one. Okay. <clears throat> he went on to be a main cast member of the action-adventure television series called The Rat Patrol. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Which was a show about some World War II soldiers. Interesting. 58 episodes worth of this show. Damn. And, in fact, so popular that it siphoned about a million viewers off of The Lucy Show, which was the follow-up to I Love Lucy. Honestly, that's impressive. Yeah. Well done. I think... uh, Let's figure out... Okay, so... Jack Starrett, who played Commander Dixon, mm-hmm. um, was in Blazing Saddles. Oh. Uh, do you remember the um, character who mumbles literally everything he says because he speaks hillbilly instead of English? I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Holy shit. Okay. I know. Um, you should watch Blazing Saddles. It's a good movie. That's what I've heard. Haven't. There's, I mean, there's a lot of good movies I haven't watched. And yet, we continue to watch things like The Gay Deceivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. What we keep a, doing that to ourselves. What a good use of our platform. We, yeah, we, we nailed it, I guess. Okay, um, do you want to hit us with some reviews? I Because I think reviews. that's everything interesting about this movie. I don't have many. It's not. It was obviously not a uh, a wildly popular movie. Goodness um, no. Uh, but Eric gives it three stars and titles their review. Saw it when it came out, and the review reads: View tips and guidelines. Eighteen more words required. View tips and guidelines. Eighteen more words required. View tips and guidelines. Eighteen more words required. And two people found that helpful fascinating (laughs) Mm -hmm. i do agree that 18 or more words required yeah um scott wormwood gives it three stars and titles the review a good evening watching with a friend and the review reads good acting as gay movies go overall an enjoyable evening with a bowel of popcorn Uh, gay typo gay typo alert (laughs) 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 uh 
Michael Kerman gives it three stars and titles the review then and now. And the review reads, supposedly deceiving the state, potential conscripts formed a gay couple. Also a price was a lose of their jobs, happy end will eventually following, and a military official who dismantled their plot would be uncovered for own preferences. Often sold as a satire on Hollywood, and then and how now local hypocrisy towards sex, this funny comedy picturing cocky muscular males hardly proved that a pair had not a chemistry in between and also one was close with girls perpetually. That was semi-intelligible. <laughs> series of words. Um, <clears throat> like, that's the thing is, I do understand what they were saying. Yeah. And like, I mostly. <laughs> Ooh. Well, that's not that expensive. Aaron just sent me a link to some, uh, to an Etsy listing of some patches that in like a metalhead, a metalcore font say arf arf. <laughs> amazing yeah i gotta <clears throat> see what else this shop has because they seem cool last review oh thank god cecil fisher gives it five stars and titles the review it's no the, re- the title is just the text of the review <clears throat> the, the review <laughs> reads <laughs> it's super it's super really a great classic so funny i cried i puked i vomited i want to die what a fascinating review. We've we've been taken on a ride. Yeah, I they did he sorry, did he say he both puked and vomited? <laughs> yep, I cried. It, it's so funny. I cried, I puked, I vomited, I wanted die. Well, you know, I I get that. Sometimes if I'm playing a TTRPG, I'll be like, "Oh man, I want to die and it roll bad." Yeah. We all know this way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to go do that. Then let me let you go so you can go do that. <laughs> By saying this movie was awful. Yeah, don't, There's literally don't watch one it. saving grace. And I don't know why they put this under the LGBTQ movie section oh, on Tubi. Woof. Woof. Because. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. We sure did it. Can I have my Joker mush now? Unsound Theories is made by Danger Square Productions. You can follow us on Tumblr at Danger Square Media, or follow Kat and Kira on their respective Tumblrs at ZaftiCat, that's Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and Sapphire-Mess. The best ways to support what we do are leaving five-star reviews on the podcatcher of your choice, or telling a friend about the show. If you'd like to support us monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can visit dangersquare.ca where you'll find links to our Patreon. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel of Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com to hear more of Chris's tracks. Until next time, thanks for listening, because we sure didn't.